Hello and welcome to the Tech Narratives Podcast. My name is Jan Dawson. This is episode 68, the episode for Monday, October the 2nd. I have 11 items that I've written about on the site today for subscribers, and then another half a dozen or so uh, in the roundup at the end that I'll go through as well. We kick things off today with a story from Recode about Amazon. This is a follow-up on last week's story about Amazon's first Thursday night football broadcast. I talked in the piece that I wrote last week about the nature of the broadcast and how it went and so on. We didn't at the time have numbers for how well that broadcast had performed in terms of viewership. We do now have those numbers, and it looks like it got a little under 400,000 viewers for that first Thursday night football game, which is part of this year's rights uh, that Amazon acquired for $50 million. Uh, that's better than Twitter got for its first game for the same package last year. Uh, lots of variables that make it a bit tricky to compare things on a like-for-like basis, but it's not a bad performance considering Amazon's overall number of Prime subscribers is quite a bit lower than Twitter's monthly active user number. Uh, you had to be a Prime subscriber to watch it, whereas last year it was free on Twitter. On the other hand, Twitter hadn't promoted it very much. This was a new thing for Twitter. Amazon's done a lot more promotion. It was very prominent in the Amazon video apps when you went online uh, on Thursday throughout the day and especially in the evening. So lots of moving pieces here. Still a tiny fraction of the overall broadcast audience on CBS and the NFL network. So quite some way to go. And as we said last week, little innovation yet from Amazon around this broadcast. So some more work to be done there, but decent start for them. Uh, critically, we have to wonder what Amazon's goals are here. Are they to add value to the existing subscribership for Prime? Are they trying to get new subscribers? We don't know that. It seems likely to succeed with the first of those goals. It seems in my mind far less likely to get many new subscribers given in the US at least this is available on broadcast in many cases already. So there's not a ton of appeal to it in that sense. Number two today, story for the New York Times. This really, again, follows up on a number of previous stories that we've seen. This is the first real official comment about this from Google. And this is about the end of the first click free program and all the negative stuff that was associated with that. And by way of background, this is where Google basically made the first click on a publisher's news publisher's website free for people who came from search. So if you went to the Wall Street Journal, for example, which has a paywall, if you got there from Google search for a long time, you would uh, get that first article free. And so it was a way to circumvent the paywall, which people became familiar with. And the Wall Street Journal eventually shut that down. The problem with that was Google penalized sites that had a, a non-porous paywall in that sense because it wouldn't index the full content of the page and so you wouldn't find things that were somewhere lower down on the page. So the Wall Street Journal and Owner News Corporation uh, objected to that, as did many other publications. And Google's been slowly talking about changing that. And they now finally announced that they will be changing this. They're no longer penalizing sites that decide to withhold all their content from Google that won't rank them lower in search rankings and that kind of thing. At the same time, they're going to work with publications on making those paywalls and the porousness of those paywalls more flexible so that the publisher can decide how many free clicks a user gets before they're prompted to pay up. Uh, so good progress here from Google, something, as I say, has been trailed for a long time. Uh, some other stuff they're working on around subscriptions and driving subscriptions is still in the works, will come sometime next year. So Google continues to be further behind Facebook in terms of developing more news publisher-friendly offerings, uh, both of them, of course, uh, with some tension uh, with regard to news organizations and both need to do work on this. Facebook has certainly seemed to be ahead of Google so far in this area. 
Number three, I think this started on Friday evening, but kind of progressed throughout the weekend. But Travis Kalanick, former CEO of Uber, appointed two new board members without either talking to the board or the CEO uh, who's currently running the company. And of course, that caused quite a bit of tension with both the board and the new CEO expressing some consternation about all of that. The two new board members were confirmed. It doesn't seem that the board or the CEO have objections to them as such. It's more an objection to the process which itself seems to be a reaction to uh, changes to governance at Uber that have been proposed in order to limit Travis Kalanick's voting rights and his power over the company, given that he's been pushed out as CEO. So it becomes ever clearer that Travis Kalanick's main objective is self-interest rather than Uber's best interests. And uh, it should be the case that the board at this point recognizes that and does indeed push through those proposed changes to governance to limit his power going forwards. Number four, uh, linking here to a Bloomberg story, but it's something widely reported over the weekend, Disney and Altice. Altice is a French company that owns several smaller U.S. cable companies, including the company used to be called Cablevision. Uh, these two companies have been in a uh, dispute over the last little while as they renegotiate a contract for Altice to carry Disney channels, Disney-owned channels, so ABC, ESPN, and the Disney channels, and so on, uh, on its pay TV service in New York. Uh, the uh, There was due to be a blackout, which both companies had been threatening and talking to uh, customers about, which should have come into effect over the last day or so. Uh, the companies did finally agree to a last-minute deal to avert that blackout. doesn't seem like they've hammered out all the details but from reporting here from Bloomberg, it looks like uh, Disney pushed for big price increases and Altice managed to force it to settle for smaller price increases. That's really important because Disney, of course, is losing subscribers for ESPN and other channels. And the only thing that's kept revenues growing is these high price increases, which it's want to, wanted to continue to force on pay TV uh, partners even as customers are watching less and less of those channels. So notable that Altice, even though it's one of the smaller pay TV providers out there, managed to have sufficient leverage to force Disney back a little bit on the price increases at once. That's something of a bellwether to what's likely to come over the next few years as Disney renegotiates other deals with pay TV providers. Not good news, I would say, at the end of the day. Number five, Engadget reports that Sony has pre-announced new PlayStation VR hardware that's coming in the next few months. It's going to be priced, interestingly, the same as the current discounted price of the current generation uh, gear. This fixes a couple of annoyances uh, with the current gear that's there at the moment. So better HDR playback, so within uh, 4K content, better high dynamic range playback with fewer frustrations and uh, complicated workarounds there, and also integrated headphones, so you don't need to plug in separate headphones to a 3.5mm jack and have that be yet another cable that's hanging around some other smaller tweaks as well. So that should be coming in the next few months. Again, same prices currently, which reinforces a sense that prices have been coming down. They're going to stay down. They're not going to go back up again with new generations of hardware, making this a very competitive and price-pressured market. Number six, uh, Roku, which of course had a very successful IPO last week, has up basically updated its entire uh, hardware range of uh, streaming set-top boxes, although boxes is actually kind of the wrong word for a lot of this hardware now. It's increasingly stick-like. So these are uh, a couple of actual plug-in sticks, a couple of other devices that look a lot like plug-in sticks, just ever so slightly bigger than that. Probably will morph into sticks over the next year or two with future updates. Just one proper box left at this point, and that dropped by price uh, by about $10 in price this time around. So the, the price range at Roku now, $30 to $100. Uh, again, well below where Apple starts at 150. Apple, of course, topping out at 200. Uh, Amazon last week announced a price cut to $70 for its uh, premium device. So we continue to see this dichotomy between 
Google, Amazon, and Roku at the lower end of the market, pricing very cheaply, focusing on sticks, uh, and pricing in many cases at or below cost. Apple, on the other hand, pursuing its usual strategy of premium hardware, making it very challenging to gain significant share. I continue to believe they'll carve out a decent niche in that market, but these other companies maximizing audience, and of course Roku uh, has that as its main business model now, maximizing its audience and monetizing through advertising and revenue share on subscriptions. Uh, Number seven, uh, ongoing saga with Facebook and Russian ad buying and so on. Uh, Facebook has made yet another announcement about changes it's going to make in response to Russian ad buying during the elections last year. It's going to share the content of the 3,000 Russian ads that were suspect with Congress, which has promised to share at least some of those with the public. It's going to hire another 1,000 people to review ad submissions to ensure that this kind of thing doesn't happen in the future. So Facebook continuing to sort of backpedal and try to uh, combat the accusations and the criticisms that have been coming its way lately. Uh, Some suggestion in the press there might be regulation coming. I I don't see where that would come from or what the legal basis for it would be. Uh, But certainly Facebook getting a lot of negative press at the moment and trying to combat that and do better, try to neutralize some of that criticism. Number eight, Tesla put out its customary quarterly release on production and delivery numbers for Q3 ahead of full earnings uh, in a month or so's time. Uh, The key news here is that they produced and delivered under 300 Model 3 cars. This is, of course, the new cheaper car that Tesla released recently. Their original target had been 1,500, so about a fifth or less of where they wanted to be with production at this point. And we get the usual story from Tesla about... uh, falling short and knowing why they've fallen short some bottlenecks here and there we know what the problems are we're going to fix them and so on and this is kind of the story that tesla puts out every time it misses its targets which happens very frequently and yet uh, surprisingly leads to very little uh, lack of confidence from investors who continue to reward uh, its public statements rather than its actual delivery against those goals so increasing skepticism certainly from me and from others that they're going to meet their very ambitious goals uh, that they have for Tesla 3 production, ramping that up by the end of the year. Certainly doesn't look like they're going to get anywhere near their targets for this year. Probably will fall well short of next year's targets as well. Uh, so that's worth watching and, and watching for more detail as the full earnings release comes out in a few weeks. Number nine, uh, linking here to a piece from The Verge, Microsoft has killed off its music streaming service and is partnering with Spotify instead. You may be surprised that Microsoft even had a music streaming service. Uh, It's called Groove Music. This was a replacement for Xbox Music. Uh, None of these had been successful, which is a bit of an indictment given how big a base of Windows customers Microsoft has and therefore what a powerful marketing platform it potentially had for music services. But it's just another indicator of how poorly Microsoft has done in the core consumer market and in building a consumer ecosystem around content and other services consumers actually want to buy, want to engage with, want to spend time with critically. And so vast majority of consumer time is spent by uh, consumers on properties and apps and so on created by a handful of companies, Amazon, Apple, uh, Facebook, Google. Uh, to some extent in some uh, segments and so on. You've got Snapchat in there as well. You've got Spotify on the music side. You've got Netflix on the video side. Microsoft simply isn't in there. The time people spend on Microsoft is time spent getting to other stuff that they really want to do. And so good for Spotify, get another marketing channel, albeit probably a small one for their streaming music service, but yet another signal that Microsoft continues to kind of fail in the broader consumer market. Number 10, eMarketer, which is a, an analyst and research firm, cut its ad revenue forecast for Snapchat for the U.S. for 2017 by $128 million. Uh, that's come down twice now. It was originally $800 million. It's now in the low 600s. 
Um, and really, they're just saying the same thing as everybody else, which is just doesn't look like Snapchat is growing in the way that many people expected it to. This, of course, the big reason why its tr stock is trading below where it IPO'd earlier this year. And uh, we'll see in a few weeks' time what it reports for Q3, but uh, eMarketers' forecast is for pretty modest growth in the U.S. over the next six months or so. Uh, not good news, obviously, for Snap, and it continues to need to demonstrate that it can find better growth, both in terms of user growth and revenue growth. And then lastly from the site today, uh, Digiday has a good deep dive into the CPMs or the sort of ad payouts that Facebook's video platform is delivering, and they look very low. There are some specific numbers in the piece that I'm linking to here, but a lot more commentary about how low it is, but also about how hard it is to really measure this in a consistent uh, and standardized sort of way, mostly because there's a lot of video on Facebook that isn't monetized at all. And so if you use that as the overall base and then talk about the actual monetization, that is going to look very low. But I think the broader issue is that Facebook's still limited to mid-roll ads because they auto-play videos. They can't do pre-roll ads. It doesn't really work when you're auto-playing, unlike YouTube, which has very successfully used auto-play videos over the last few years. And so Facebook has really kind of shot itself in the foot with the auto-play and then mid-roll strategy. And I think that's going to continue to hurt them until they find a way to turn that around and do pre-roll videos. It's going to result in those low CPMs, going to make it very difficult for them to monetize, and it's going to turn a lot of consumers off when they see an ad in the middle of a video they want to watch that they're not that committed to watching anyway and there's going to continue to be a very high abandon rate there as well as a result. So that's the 11 items from the site today. Just six other items to mention for you. As usual on Mondays, quite a few pieces from over the weekend. First, the interesting story from Mashable. Uber is opening these lounges in 33 malls across the U.S., in partnership with the Westfield company that owns a lot of malls. This is basically a place to hang out while you're waiting for your Uber at malls. So uh, yet another step in the increasing partnerships we're seeing between ride-sharing companies and various other entities. Interesting step from Uber there. Second, Bloomberg has a story about Ireland in the ongoing thing about uh, Apple's taxes, which were paid to Ireland, which were agreed with Ireland, which the EU says were too low. It looks like there might be a formal rebuke from the uh, European Union to Ireland over the failure to collect those taxes from Apple. So no huge implications for Apple at this point. They're, they're, they're still appealing all of that. So uh, no huge impact there, but interesting to watch that developing. A uh, piece from Technology Review about AI and the history of AI and one particular figure in the history of AI who kind of created a lot of the thinking that's behind artificial intelligence and machine learning today. So sort of a deep dive on some of the technology and thinking behind all of this, which is obviously a very hot topic at this point. piece from Product Habits about uh, the unexpected rebirth of Google Glass, which is what it calls it. And really is something of a history lesson on Google Glass and its failure as a consumer product and then its rebirth as an enterprise product, which of course we've seen in the last couple of months now. TechCrunch reports that Apple has open sourced the kernel of uh, both iOS and macOS for ARM processors, and it's always open sourced the kernel for macOS because of the history there with Next Step, which was open source based in the past. But iOS is new here, so haven't had much of an explanation here from Apple yet on why it's doing this this year, but interesting new development there. And then lastly, a sort of deep dive from The Verge about how Microsoft built the new uh, Xbox One X uh, gaming console, which is their latest and most powerful version of their gaming console. A lot of stuff about the design there specifically, and it's an excuse to talk about Microsoft's hardware design and uh, a couple of months ago around the time of build uh, their developer conference I got a chance to look at their hardware labs and they've got some really impressive stuff going on there so interesting deep dive into all of that there in that piece from The Verge. 
As usual, links to all of the stuff I've talked about in the show notes. So go check those out if any of this is of interest to you in more detail. Pieces I've written about on the site are mostly for subscribers. There's one free piece there today, which I think uh, was the Uber piece. Uh, but the rest you can sign up for a free trial and read those pieces and all the other past pieces and other context and so on around all of this as well. So thanks very much for listening. As always, I'll be back with another episode of the usual sort of time tomorrow. Bye-bye.